we are back with another episode of the Saxo Market Call, and um, we're going to talk about uh, macro and currencies with uh, with you, Shara. It's uh, it's great to be back. I was just on uh, one week holiday, so um, lots to uh, to catch up on. And um, markets have definitely been interesting, and which I will be talking about in in other podcasts this week, both with Altea, myself on equities, and and all on commodities. But uh, but today we're going to talk about you know the U.S. economy and what is shaping up. Um, going to talk a little bit about you know this whole this whole year i think have been and as we've talked about many times sharo this exceptional period for for the u.s economy not slipping into recession being much more robust than 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 what many had uh, had expected and and this week we'll have two macro reports to uh to chew on which is both the, the gdp report and the pce and we had a message from powell yesterday so how how do you sum up the uh, the current situation on the u.s economy and and square that with what powell said uh, last week Welcome back. So um, absolutely, I mean, you know, as you put it rightly, the U.S. exceptionalism story continues to run past expectations. And it is likely to do the same again this week as well with those GDP numbers and the PCE number out as well on Friday, expected to be still, um, you know, higher compared to expectations uh, potentially. Um, So, I mean, I would say that there are risks that uh, markets will continue to be misguided by this kind of data in terms of policy. I mean, we've already seen that this morning in terms of geopolitics as well, right, where there's been a little bit of a reversal in those safe haven trades that uh, were pretty dominant last week. Um, But uh, I, I mean, again, the risks are still there just because we haven't seen a ground operation really in um, uh, from Israel. We've seen a little bit of a reversal there. Same way, I think it's going on in the policy side as well. So US GDP is still expected to be strong. We saw very strong retail sales print last week. So it is uh, still looking like the consumers have savings built up uh, and they are still dipping into that. Uh, so that can continue to propel the, the GDP number that comes out this week as well, expected to be upwards of 4% uh, growth quarter on quarter. So quite a strong number there, but again, driven largely potentially by one-off components, the the massive uh, spending on, you know, entertainment events in the third quarter, uh, the travel and logistics around it, the, you know, the tourism side of things during the summer travel, I think that those are things that might have pushed up the GDP number. Um, uh, But I think, yeah, you know, we've talked about this before, consumer and corporate borrowing costs are higher, mortgage rates are approaching 8%. uh, So there is a significant tightening of lending conditions here. um, And that could act as a major headwind for economic activity um, and potentially lead to um, a moderation of growth from here. So how much of that weight the market gives to those backward looking GDP numbers, compare that to you know, what's happening on the more forward-looking indicators and, you know, things that are not looking as rosy. Um, I think that's really the battle that the market is going to continue to face uh, this week as well. Yeah, I I think you're really, you have some very great points there, Sharo. And, you know, we had that strong U.S. retail uh, sales number and and, and you think, okay, the economy is doing quite fine, but then also, well, you're reading these reports from in the Bloomberg, uh, on the Bloomberg terminal, where they talk about, you know, subprime auto loans, you know, the worst delinquencies we've had in, you know, in three decades in the U.S. So that's uh, definitely a part of the consumer markets where things are getting fragile. But I want to move from the U.S. economy into... 
discussion on the US dollar and potentially we can broaden it out to the dollar yen because uh, I think things are shaping up to be very interesting for the Bank of Japan, which we've also talked about on this podcast a couple of times. But the I think the the, the backdrop here is is fascinating, Shao, because last week we had you know we had the, this increase in geopolitical risk. Um, we had a strong U.S. 10-year yield, almost touching 5%. We had that very strong U.S. retail sales number, as you talked about. So you would imagine that that backdrop, and also with the U.S. equities selling off a little bit, that 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 the dollar could have been a safe haven, but it was actually just trading sideways. And before we went on this podcast, you said, well, maybe that's a clue that uh, you know there, there was very limited upside here for the dollar. But maybe you can broaden out that argument a little bit. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. The dollar discussion has been, you know, been very important last few weeks and months where the kind of rally that we've seen there started to send some, you know, uh, warnings about the uh, how that can impact the other asset classes as well. Uh, But we've seen that moderate a little bit, you know, like you said, it's been sideways last week, despite all these uh, supportive factors, uh, you know, the safe haven bid and the yield move as well. Uh, So I think, you know, you mentioned Powell last week as well, who kind of, you know, uh, confirmed what we've been hearing from other Fed speakers about the fact that higher long-end deals could substitute for a rate hike. Um, he was talking about term premium there, and he was saying that, um, you know, the 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 move in long-end deals is not particularly driven by uh, higher for longer, but it's because of term premiums. And that does mean that there could be, uh, you know, some tightening of financial conditions there. So that, for me, is a warning sign as well, you know, um, like like I was talking to you earlier. And it does feel like that, that concerted message coming out of the Fed ahead of their next meeting um, is a signal that something is breaking. And that's that's something to be, I think, cautious about. About. But uh, just for the U.S. dollar, particularly, I would say, you know, um, it it the positioning, uh, this dovishness from the Fed speakers, and the fact that even if we continue to get that strong U.S. data, the markets are likely to ignore that and focus more on the forward-looking aspects. It is a signal that it could be tough to add fresh longs in the dollar here. So, you know, from a fundamental perspective, also, if I say, you know, the U.S. deficit spending, it needs a weaker dollar. The growth outperformance, um, uh, as it is being ignored by the mo- uh, markets, um, compared to China, compared to Europe, you know, China is starting to show a little bit of an uptick. But Europe um, also is showing some signs of a stability, or at least for now, the the worst case has already been priced in the euro. Uh, so, so those are, for me, you know, warning signs about uh, the dollar as well. So I think it may be prudent to look more broadly at other strategies in the FX space, you know, something like carry, uh, where there are uh, currencies like, um, you know, Mexican peso, there's currencies like Swiss franc that also provide that carry. Um, something related to, you know, the geopolitics, you know, it could be, again, the safe haven uh, appeal of the Swiss franc or the oil dependent nature of the Canadian dollar or the Nokia as well. Uh, so I think those are some some of the FX strategies that um, I would be focusing on this week. Uh, but you mentioned, yen yeah, certainly, again, a big focus today, this morning in the early Asian hours when the liquidity is really thin. We did see that another spike come through in um, USD yen above that 150 mark, which is considered to be the threshold for intervention. And uh, we've also got some unverified reports that the Bank of Japan may consider tweaks to its yield curve control policy. 
Um, and that's surprisingly not been enough to get a bid into the Japanese yen yet, uh, probably because we have often got such reports earlier as well, but then they were denied later. And so far, today's report has also not been confirmed. Uh, so I would think that, you know, the traders will continue to test the patience of BOJ there on that 150 level and continue to, you know, test that level and probably go higher than that as well at some point. So I think that's that's going to be an interesting one to watch this week as well. Yeah, I, I really I really have that uh, Bank of Japan meeting. So that's on uh, Tuesday next week. Um, what they're going to do, because with the current policy and the interest rate differential, as I saw someone put out that the uh, the potential fair value, if, or if you take the fair value, and of course there's an estimation error to that, but if you take the inter- interest rate differential, then the fair value is probably closer to 155. As you said, mm-hmm. that would be a breach of the 150 line for the for the Bank yeah. of Japan. How do they square all this? Because right now it's just the currency that is absorbing all of the all of the pressure. So um, and that has its own issues on in inflation, especially also because Japan is is importing a lot of key uh, key commodities and especially energy. Mm-hmm. What if we get an energy crisis on the northern hemisphere during this winter period? That squared with a weekend. I don't know. It, it that could be a very ugly cocktail for uh, for the uh, for the Bank of Japan. Yeah, absolutely. And domestically, they are still spending as well. They're expected to announce another stimulus package, fiscal package, and to kind of support with this energy problem for the consumer. Um, it is it is one of the most difficult problems uh, they're facing right now. The yields, uh, the ten year yield, I think we touched zero point eight five percent there. So again, tracking what's happening in the global arena as well uh, so it's it's uh, yeah they have to deal with that higher yield and the the weaker yen as well at the same time yeah if we fly uh, back to europe for a bit um there is some central bank action this week so on thursday we'll have the ecb reporting it's uh you know rate decision and the market consensus right now is that, that there will be no change um what can they also do? I mean, there, there's clear weakening in the uh, in the European economy relative to the U.S. Um, so I, I don't know what what's your what's your thoughts on 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 Europe and and the ECB and where they go from here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, growth concerns, um, as again we've talked about before. You would just mentioned, you know, they are certainly too, a, a lot bigger for for ECB right now. Um, and you know, I think the bigger concern is really how much of that contraction that we've seen in manufacturing already, how much of that is spilling over into the services side as well. So we do get flash PMIs as well for September uh, this week. I think that will be obviously important to watch how the services sector is doing. Uh, but overall, like I said earlier, there's a sense that there is a little bit of a stability in the eurozone. So the German um, uh, activity indicators did show that there was some stability around, you know, the current activity and the expected um, activity levels as well. While the risks are still pointing to the downside, I think a lot of that um, uh, weak growth story has been priced in for the euro particularly. So, I mean, of course, as long as we just get a hold from the ECB, you know, the focus will will be a little bit on the language of the decision and how much of a concern they express for inflation um, to come out of this um, uh, Middle East conflict that uh, we're seeing right now. Um, But if it's a very balanced tone, I would think it could be just a non-event for for the euro because the risks are priced in to to a big degree. Um, How that moves the dollar, if we do see a very dovish reaction, a dovish uh, event, that would be my concern, a very dovish event 
could bring further upside to the dollar as well, you know, causing the pain to global assets that we have seen over the last few months again. Yeah, it's um, it's not easy as we've talked about for the ECB to navigate all of this because also the, you know, the weak euro on one hand it stimulates the export sector which goes into growth, but then on the other hand the weak currency makes a lot of imported goods uh, much more expensive that could add to to inflationary pressures. Not an easy task there. Um, we uh, we still have some time. I mean, we uh, we had on the um, we had the on the in our script that we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the jobs report, the UK jobs report that's out tomorrow and if the ecb is in a terrible position maybe the bank of england is an even worse situation because the yeah. that's even more challenging i think the, the what's facing the uk economy um what uh, what are your thoughts ahead of the uh, uk jobs report tomorrow yeah you you put it absolutely right the the most difficult position i think um is is being faced by the bank of england so the two things that they're really watching is services inflation and the wage numbers now, both of them seem to be cooling down, but they are still exceptionally high for, you know, what the policymakers would like to see them to be. Uh, so now is that a, a place to take comfort that, yes, things are cooling down? Um, I would think they would err on the side of that. Again, you know, with the, all the, the volatility around the world, with the geopolitics and, you know, uh, likely the, the lagged effects of the tightening as well. Uh, but it is a fair argument to make that, you know, that services inflation is still way too high. And unless there is a recession, it is hard to see how that comes back to the target levels. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Those those wages is really what is the, the main the main risk from here, medium term to the inflation outlook, as has been mentioned as well uh, by Powell at the Jackson Hole Symposium earlier this year. Uh, our final topic today is something a little bit more, uh, or in economy, we don't talk so much about um, in our podcast, but um, that's the Australian economy. And there's an inflation report coming up. And you said that this might have some potential ignition for uh, for the for the Aussie dollar. Um, so maybe you can explain what you what what could potentially go wrong here or go right for uh, for the for the Aussie dollar. Yeah, so I mean, this is a quarterly uh, inflation number that's coming out and the RBA uh, particularly gives it a lot of weight in their uh, decisions. Uh, so that's that's what makes it really important to watch as well. And there is an expectation that, you know, higher fuel prices are um, likely going to um, bring in uh, an upside here as well in, in the Q3 CPI number for Australia this week. Um, and there's an acceleration in housing costs, there's utilities and, you know, the gasoline prices effect going into the transportation side of things as well. Um, and, you know, just last week, we got the, the minutes out from RBA's uh, previous meeting and they were hawkish at the margin. There, were, there was a pretty stern stance on inflation. Um, so that could mean that, you know, if this inflation print gives us an upside surprise, the markets may be uh, looking to price in a greater probability of another rate hike from the RBA. I mean, not to say that could happen, uh, but the market could continue to price that. And that obviously brings some short-term short upside risk to the Aussie dollar as well from this release particularly. Uh, but overall, in the in the you know bigger sense of things, it I think it remains hard for the Aussie dollar to ignore the kind of pressures that are coming from the weakness in China from the strong dollar as well. And of course, the geopolitical developments and how that is weighing on the risk sentiment overall as well. 
Great. I think that takes us to the uh, to the end of this uh, this episode on on macro and and, uh, and FX. Interesting things. So, what to watch in the in the week ahead? Obviously, the uh, the U.S. story. We have the GDP numbers and the PCE. We have the developing uh, geopolitical risk in the Middle East. We talked about watch the dollar. Traded sideways last week, despite a a bunch of positive factors. Um, look for the uh, for the Swiss franc or the Mexican peso for uh, for, for carry trades there. Um, we have the ECB coming out with rate decision on, on Thursday and, and UK jobs report tomorrow. And then also look for that inflation report in Australia and how it impacts the Australian dollar. Thank you for listening.